0: Welcome to the fourth episode of the Xamarin podcast. It's Friday, the 4th of October, and we're going to be talking about pretty much a lot of iOS 7 today. So um, we're going to be talking about some other Xamarin stuff and some Android stuff as well. Um, But, you know, with the recent release of iOS 7, that's going to be our main focus today. Um, Just taking a look at, uh, so panel is a way that you can use analytics within your apps. They actually created an iOS 7 adoption web page that you can go and view and kind of see how many people who are hitting their uh, API are using iOS 7 versus iOS 6 and older versions of their of their user base. Um, and this, this uh, chart ranges from, uh, at the moment, September the 4th to October the 4th, so a whole month. And then on September the 17th, or September the 16th, um, I think came out in on the 18th, but they have it showing from September the 17th. Um, it's starting to change, and people starting to install iOS 7 versus iOS 6. And as we look at it today, um, October the 3rd is what it has up to. Um, it says there's 67.35% of people are already on iOS 7 versus 29% on iOS 6, and then 3% on, on older versions and that. It's a pretty crazy uh, statistic. Um, so if you haven't been kind of working on iOS 7 support, now's probably a good time to do it. Um, and, you know, of course, um, some apps such as TweetBot, they haven't updated their UI um, to iOS 7. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's still a great app. Um, but, you know, I think they must be thinking, how can, they, how can they convert their app to be iOS 7, look iOS 7-ish?
1: Yeah, and there's definitely like a huge opportunity. If you haven't ever released an app before, now is a great time because you see all these legacy apps that have been in the App Store been really popular uh, throughout time, and now iOS 7 kind of changes things up with design like we talked in some of the previous podcasts and really opens up an opportunity for you as, an, as a developer, especially a new developer, to get in there, have something different than some of the older legacy apps and make a difference and hopefully get a ton of downloads.
0: Yeah, and I think... The best way of doing this is is using some of the new functionality that iOS seven provides. It kind of makes your life easier as a developer because you get to use newer, uh, newer APIs that other developers aren't using, and and it makes some tasks that were difficult before on iOS six and and previous makes those a little bit easier with with iOS seven. And kind of on along along those lines, uh, iOS seven came out, um, and Xamarin put on a contest um, to get people to kind of uh, come up with some recipes, so short little recipes on how to use some of these new iOS 7 APIs. And I think everyone who entered um, gets a C-sharp t-shirt and I think there's a, a bigger prize for the overall winner. Um, that's kind of not been decided yet, uh, but we want to kind of point out some of the recipes that we saw go past. And I'm sure there'll be more competitions coming in the future that you might want to uh, sign on. So. Uh, What uh, recipes caught your eye, Pierce?
1: Well, one that caught my eye, we see a lot of people using MapKit and uh, that control in their applications. And with iOS 7, a new API that came out was the MK Directions class, uh, which is a class that you can use to receive direction-related information from Apple. Uh, So I'm not sure in the past if you could use Google's APIs to go get directions, but now you can do it within the iOS 7 ecosystem without calling out to a separate service. And the recipe for it was really simple. It's on GitHub, and uh, I just found it really interesting. He actually mapped uh, the two Xamarin offices, so uh, kind of cool. Uh, so we also have another uh, recipe, iOS 7 related, is the JavaScript core recipe submitted by John Miller. Uh, you may have seen him around the forums. He's one of the most active users on the forums, but uh, pretty cool API. Chris, you want to tell us about it?
0: Basically, just gives you an option to execute JavaScript that you might want to do within your application, in a much friendlier way than you could have done in the past. So you, you create a new JavaScript uh, context and then you can evaluate a script so you can pass in any type of script and then that will allow you to then run that and you get a result. So it's a programmatic way of running JavaScript in your apps and then allowing you to then take that outcome and then put that within your application. And And John actually has kind of two parts to this, um, part one and part two. And it's definitely worth using this. If you're doing a lot of JavaScript in your app, then you can you can do this uh, using the new JavaScript core framework.
1: For sure. And then uh, we were just going to list three, that, although there were tons of them that we really liked. Uh, another one that I, that I thought was really interesting was the background fetching API, uh, which came out in iOS 7 as well. All these are new iOS 7 APIs, although they might build off some of the older APIs. Um, so background fetching basically allows you to go get stuff while your app's not in the foreground. So, a major use of this recently has been use with uh, the Facebook and Twitter feeds. They'll update continuously while uh, throughout well throughout the day while you're not even not using it, which uh, you could see how that would hurt battery. So I guess I guess background fetching one of those really cool things, but you really have to use cautiously because you could you could deplete users' batteries, and then of course, you're gonna get terrible reviews and things are not gonna go well. so. But background fetching is definitely one of those really cool new things that you know Android has had for a while that now you see in iOS. Uh, and John Dick, who runs the Gone Mobile po- podcast, has a really good uh, article slash recipe slash uh, code sample of using the background fetching API in iOS 7.
0: Yeah, and I think there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do with background fetching. I think what it does actually is it, um, it, it knows when you're going to open the app. So if you always open that app, at lunchtime it will know that you've done that every day for the last five days so it will try and get information just before you open the app so it doesn't always use your battery so it kind of makes that a little bit easier on you um so you can allow it to do that and there's also a lot of different things that you can do with background fetching as well um as well as just multitasking and, and kind of running your app in the background and uh nina who works for xamarin has a really good um a really good uh, thorough article on on the different sort of features that you can do now with iOS seven, um, and also as well as this article, uh going to be talking at the uh, New York City Mobile .dot um, net user group that we've mentioned in the past. Um, so if you're again in the New York area, uh, go and check out that talk. It's on Monday, December the sixteenth. Um, so it's a couple of months off yet, um, but if you want to go see that and ask ask your questions um, in person, then that's a great place to do that.
1: Yeah, and uh, since we're keeping an Iowa-centric show, um, John Dick, who I mentioned earlier, had the background-fetching recipe. Also kind of had a little tip uh, blog post uh, called Fun Times with the New Full-Screen Layout. And uh, he was really confused when the new release came out, and he actually worked on the UI after the release as to why some of his content was getting shown behind navigation bars and status bars and that sort of thing. And so this is just a really quick... Uh, tutorial in and out to show you how you can fix this uh, using content insets just a really good article by uh reddit like i said not very long but just a great tip uh actually i'm still trying to figure out all this stuff with navigation bars status bars and how are displayed differently in ios 7 because i started developing in ios set with ios 5 so things have definitely changed and uh I guess adjustments are something that I have to work on
0: yeah I think I think people are getting caught out quite uh, quite a bit with with some of these subtle changes that uh, Apple made um, to make this a little bit kind of easier for newer developers but I mean they they always recommend that you you start building for iOS 7 forget uh, the rest of the uh, the forget the rest of um, the iOS versions realistically I don't think people have got to that stage, unless you are creating a whole new app, then maybe you have the luxury there, Um, so this is a really nice tip of taking your app from iOS 6 to iOS 7.
1: Yeah, and Apple actually has a transition guide from iOS 6 to iOS 7, so it's pretty much a must-read if you have an app already in the store and you're kind of confused by it. Like I said, a lot of subtle changes that just could really be mind-boggling, trying to figure out what's going wrong, Uh, so the transition guide's kind of aim to help you with that. Go to the
0: Xamarin blog this time. Uh, Mike Blue Steam published a really nice article on using the new iOS 7 iBeacons um, and had a little fun game called Find the Monkey. So iBeacons is kind of a hidden feature of iOS 7 that many, not many people have um, exploited at the moment. But it's a way of using the core, uh, core Bluetooth stack um, to be able to tell where people are in terms of location. Um, and basically, Mike does a really nice job of, of showing how you can use this API uh, to find certain kind of monkeys and how you can hook this up um, to these beacons that people may have set up around a certain location. And I think this will probably become a little bit more popular when more apps kind of take advantage of this and they have the beacons available for you to, to go and use.
1: Yeah, that's one of those cool APIs that I think we don't really hear a lot about, but uh, I think it's really cool that there's a blog post on it. I'm definitely going to have to try it out.
0: And again, on the on the Xamarin blog, they've been put, uh, putting a lot of really great content about iOS 7 as well. Um, and one of these is make your iOS 7 app speak. So now with iOS 7, again, this is an article from Mike Blustein. Um, you basically need just two, two or three lines to get your app to now talk to the users. Um, so you can basically new up a new instance of the AV speech synthesizer and then you can create a new speech utterance what you kind of want it to say and then you call speak utterance and then pass it whatever you want it to say and you can modify certain things such as the rate of the speed uh, that it plays back the voice you can have different um, languages that speak it so you can have an Australian one or an an English guy speaking um, and also kind of you can change the volume and the pitch and this is a really nice API to make this stuff really simple in the past you've had to kind of go and find a third party library that does this, and it can get quite complicated. this makes it really stupidly easy to to do um and I've always had this kind of idea on you know when I'm walking around places going out for lunch, I thought it would be a really great idea to have a Twitter app which basically whenever a new tweet comes in, it'll read it out to me so now, with this new API, I kind of want to go and create this app and it'd probably be annoying, but I was thinking you know every time a new tweet comes in, it'll say new tweet from this person, and then if I didn't want to listen to it, I can like use the uh, iOS remote controls on the headset and kind of skip a tweet or something like that. But this is a really easy way of integrating this into your app now. And, and another feature that iOS seven adds for developers is is the Sprite Kit um, framework, and this is basically a, a way of doing the games such as uh, like two D games um, such as Angry Birds, or um, I can't think of any others. Um, but Angry Birds is the main one that I can think of as as an example here of 2D games that have some simple physics and have different levels that you go to which I think they call scenes Um, and there's a really nice blog post on this um, which is basically a full a full example of a game um, rather than just kind of a a simple example of using specific things in in sprite kit so uh, this is from uh, Stefan Uh, really nice blog post and all the codes up on on github as well so you can download it and you can play with it and you know you can change i think there's a a twitter bird and some and some um kind of platforms that you need to avoid here so what you can do is always go and change that up on the store and, and see if you can make some some nice money from it
1: yeah for sure that's really cool um so, uh, big, big topic. We've been talking a lot about design, new APIs. Uh, we haven't talked about pricing or the business end of things. So, another really cool article that I saw on Twitter this week was uh, on Tapidity. I think that's how it is. Tapidity, uh, something like that. Uh, and the the premise of the article was that paid apps are dead. Uh, not in the sense of premium apps. So, not the apps that are five, over five dollars. Just the ninety nine cent to four ninety nine range. Um, That they're dead, not in the fact that they're not getting downloads, uh, just in the fact that a new pricing scheme really is kind of moving into uh, the fourfold. Uh, The top ten best-selling apps uh, are making uh, selling roughly twenty-five percent as many copies as they did a year ago, Uh, so that obviously affects revenue. And I've I've kind of noticed this in my own purchasing habits on the App Store as well, because. When when I realize it's kind of dumb to say, hey, three ninety nine it's kind of worth it to try an app out, but now we've gotten to the point, there's so many great apps, why would I want to make a wrong choice? So I think as developers, this is kind of one of those things where it's not necessarily like the end of the world or anything like that. It's just, okay, we need to take a step back and say, how can we change our pricing strategy so that we can actually uh, continuously drive revenue uh, instead of just having it at the forefront, we can have add-ons and in-app purchases and stuff like that that are going to help drive revenue rather than just the upfront price. And I I, I really honestly think it's just like uh, a shift in the way that consumers are buying things. I don't think it's necessarily like the end of the world, like I said. Uh, Apps are getting more downloads than ever. I just think that we kind of need to rethink our pricing strategies when we're releasing apps.
0: Yeah, good point.
1: So another another cool little thing that I found on Twitter. I like I like short, simple things. I don't like to make things very complicated. Unfortunately, uh, compatibility with uh, with operating systems and uh, phones, and now we have so many different devices. And what can they do, and what can they not do? Um, there's a really nice site, uh, convenient site called iOSSupportMatrix.com, and basically it shows all the different SDKs and all the different phone uh, iPad models and uh, uh, iPod models and basically what their device capabilities are. Uh, what what's their minimum SDK level? What's what, what's their maximum SDK level? And so it's really helpful when you're designing for certain devices, saying, "Oh, well, I can't use iOS seven on this device. Well, maybe I want to phase it out." Or this this uh, the iPad Mini doesn't have this feature, but uh, the the regular iPad does. So it's just really convenient. It's not complicated. Uh, so it's definitely not something you're going to be using every day, but it's a it's a really good reference tool.
0: One, one of the things i have been tripping people up when they've been uh, converting their apps to run on iOS 7 is actually using the UI alert view. Um, so Prashant, who works on the Xamarin support team, um, blo- uh, did a really nice blog post on how you can uh, convert. So if you're using the NS run loop um, way of showing a modal UI alert view on your app in iOS 5 and 6, this is gonna cause issue in, in iOS 7. Um, so he's actually uh, done a really nice blog post on how you can prevent that using the async and await functionality that um, Xamarin now provide for your uh, iOS apps. Um, so you can check that out and, and work around those issues. As well as that, um, Prashant has al- also been blogging about using image effects with xamarin.android. Um, I think there's a, I think iOS makes it a little bit easier to do this. Um, than on Android, but now with color filters in Android API level 14, um, you can make this just as easy as well. So uh, Prashant has a really nice article on on how you can do this, and there's a nice uh, sample up on the uh, on the Xamarin GitHub as well.
1: Yeah, Prashant's awesome, and uh, like like Chris was saying, really helpful tutorials. Going back to the Xamarin blog
0: itself, um, Nish, a developer evangelist in in India. Also, had a really nice uh, blog post on how you can take your existing .NET apps, and this is um, uh, an old Silverlight example, and how you can take that to mobile. Um, So uh, the article here is about Android. There's also another article about iOS as well, and how you can reuse a lot of your existing .NET code that you have, maybe in uh, legacy uh, Silverlight or um, Windows desktop apps, and how you can bring that to mobile, and kind of what's needed in terms to make that feel right on, on mobile rather than having it just a kind of a direct port. So I would definitely recommend checking out that article.
1: Yeah, I'm still so amazed at the um, Xamarin Mobility Scanner and uh, just its capability is saying, hey, I can throw in this, uh, not even this necessarily a uh, a library like C-sharp code, I can throw in a DLL and it can scan it and say, hey, your code is 75% portable. And I can say, okay, well, I can, that's 75% of code that I can use across the platforms. And that's just... A really cool convenience. Don't have to do a whole bunch of expiration. It's literally just you upload it, and you know within seconds how portable your code is to different platforms. There's no trying it out. There's no, I spent two weeks trying to make this work. It's literally just upload it, and that's how portable your code is.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really nice uh, feature, the, the Xamarin.com.
1: We also like to talk about new components or components we find interesting. Auth0, which is a cloud service that works on, uh, works as a single sign-on hub between your apps and authentication sources, is a new uh, component in the App Store. We uh, lo- Pretty much every app in the App Store now has some sort of authentication, uh, whether it's behind the scenes or the users like signing on to Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, GitHub. Uh, pretty much every app has some sort of uh, single sign-on uh, functionality nowadays, so Auth0 kind of tries to bridge this gap, make it a lot easier for us. We can literally just use the service without thinking too much about anything. Uh, Chris, you have a little more experience with uh, Auth0. Do you want? Do you have anything else to add?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a component that allows you to basically on the fly change kind of what authentication method that your application might need. Um, so instead of having to change how your your code works underneath, you just call the Auth0. API and say, I want to log in and I want you to provide X, Y and Z as, as the way of logging in. So this might be a Azure um, Active Directory or it might be the GitHub um, sign-on um, and, you can, and you can change those within your app and it's just a, a really simple way of doing it. Um, so I think they start off at uh, 100 users you can use for free and you can have uh, two different um, types of social sign-on and then you can you can pay for getting more users using the service and, and having more options for them to log into your app. Yeah, that's really helpful and can definitely help cut down on developer time. There's a really nice game engine called Wave Engine um, that if you're already developing for Windows Phone and Windows Store, you may already be familiar with. It's a way of creating games, in a, like creating 3D games on mobile. Um, they actually just uh, started creating a beta uh, version of their tool for you to convert these same games over to iOS and Android using the Xamarin platform. Um, so you probably want to uh, take a look at that if you are developing any 3D games and you've already used Wave Engine on Windows Phone and Windows Store, now they have a converter tool to make this really easy to go over to iOS and Android and, and pick up the market share there.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I've a lot of more game stuff with Monogame and stuff like that and I th- actually think there was a Google uh, Summer of Code student. Who worked with Mono? Who did cocos three uh, D bindings? So that's pretty cool as well.
0: Last week well, there was the uh, Xamarin Drink Up in London, and I attended. A few other Xamarin people were there as well, um, and we're speaking to some of the guys from Just Giving, which is a charity in the UK uh, that allows you to set up fundraisers and get your friends to donate through the website. And they actually just uh, put up a blog post uh, looking for a lead mobile app developer uh, using the iOS and Android uh, tools with Xamarin. Um, so if you're interested in, in uh, getting a job with, with just giving and starting helping out with that charity, then go ahead and, and take a look at the, uh, the link here. Another app that I saw come up on Twitter is an app called MemSquare. And this is uh, basically a mem- uh, memory game where you have to memorise Uh, where the colors come through against other colors, and you have to tap them. And it's kind of, I can't think of the best way of describing it. You have to basically download the app and and check it out. But it's a really, really nice memory game. It's always really good fun to play.
1: So Miguel, uh, Xamarin CTO, really awesome guy, uh, wrote a blog post about using Reveal app uh, with your Xamarin.iOS app. So Reveal app's basically... A runtime inspection tool for your iOS app, so you can see all the different visualizations of your UI, the different layers, and what's really getting shown there. Uh, you can make like live changes. So, say you want to center some text, you can do that while the app actually runs, which is really cool. Um, there was a, there's a little finagling that needs to be done to get it to run in your Xamarin iOS apps, but. Uh, with, a, with, with literally just a few seconds you can get uh, Reveal working and uh, see all the cool stuff you can do with your UI uh, with Reveal apps, so that's, that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I actually found today that there was uh, someone asking on their support channel if they were going to support Xamarin in the future and, and they didn't seem uh, too opposed to it, so hopefully we can see it baked in in the future, um, but for now this is a really nice hack to get it working with your Xamarin.iOS applications. Something I normally struggle with is creating really nice artwork for my application, and, and really my applications don't do much. All I kind of want is a nice color for it, a nice logo, and and a name. Um, and David, um, on the Xamarin blog, um, on the Xamarin blog, uh, posted a really nice way of being able to do this um, with a program called Sketch.
1: Yeah. Uh. So Sketch is a vector drawing app for OS X. So uh, takes a- away a lot of the what I think is complexity of Photoshop, but still has all the features. Uh, it's really cool. Um, it's the new hip thing that everyone's using. Uh, this tutorial is only eight minutes long, so you really don't have to dedicate your entire life to learning the tool. It's going to show you how to do icons and that sort of thing in Sketch really simply. I, for one, am terrible at artwork. Uh, I'm. Pre- I'd like to think of myself as pretty creative, but at least not artistically in that sense. I guess that's probably what creative means. So. Maybe I'm not creative, but uh, (laughs) I uh, I need to learn how to do this for sure because that's one of those things. Like right now I'm actually building an app and I had to spend $199 to run a design contest when had I used this, I probably could have come up with something just as good if not better. Uh, for no money at all besides the cost of of, of Sketch. So that pretty much wraps things up here. Uh, Episode 4 of the Xamarin Podcast. We'll be back again in two weeks. Hopefully our show won't be so iOS 7-centric for you Android folks. Uh, But we'll see you in a few weeks. Uh, Signing off as Pierce Bogan and Chris Hardy. We'll see you next time.